I'd like to start this morning by sharing some words from Psalm 95, which say, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs, psalms of praise to Him. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to Him, for He made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. Friends, we have come to this place to worship, so let's take a moment to center our hearts in prayer. Holy God, You are our rock and our strong foundation in times of, of trouble. You are our salvation and offer us more than we, we have ever deserved. So we gather today in this place to worship and praise you. We bow down before your throne and invite you in this day. Be present, Lord, here. It is in the name of Jesus the Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, once again, welcome to Redeemer Church. I'm Pastor Tim Trometer, and as I said, it is so great to see all of you here this morning. We are one church meeting in two locations whose mission is to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. Um, welcome! Welcome to today's episode of Don't Forget the Lyrics. I'm your host, Pastor Tim. Would our contestants please come to the front platform this morning? Whatever the theme song was, that song, that show that's not on the TV anymore because it was so awesome, they took it off the TV. For those of you who don't remember how the show works, we start with a song, and then it stops, and then their contestants have to say the next line of the song. Today, our contestants are playing for the grand prize of leftover Halloween candy. Yay! <laughs> Taken from my children's Halloween bags without permission. Yay! What's your name? It's <laughs> <a> funny name. <laughs> Isabel Schmidt. All right, Isabel, where are you from? DeWitt. All right, she's from DeWitt. Um, what are you going to do with all your winnings if you win? Give it to my parents. They probably can't have it. Oh, an honest one for a change. Okay. All right, all right. What's your name? Uh, Sir Kevin Christopher Lutz III. Okay, Sir Third. Um, uh, where are you from? I am from, uh, I hail from DeWitt, Michigan. DeWitt, Michigan. All right, what are you going to do with all your winnings if you win? Uh... Eat them all before eat, my children do. Eat them. Another honest one. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. What's your name? Reagan Bethard. Reagan Bethard. Uh, where are you from, Reagan? DeWitt. DeWitt. Another person from DeWitt. That's strange. Three in a row at a show like this. Mm. Uh, what are you going to do with your weddings if you win? Eat them. All right. Another honest answer. I, I appreciate that. Okay. So here we go. Um, you know what? Let's see. Um, you want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> Well, lucky for me, I do have one song from quite a few years ago, and so maybe I better use this one for someone more aged who may be able to do something a little... Do you want to do one from 
before you were born? No. No? I'll go with the um, gentleman, the young gentleman from the back here. Um, all right, so, <clears throat> are you ready, sir? The third. I, I'm ready. I don't know if my voice is ready. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, watch your lyrics, Pastor Tim. Why the heck are you so sad? Judges. All right, get your candy, sir. Thank you. All right. Okay, are you ready now? No? Okay. How are you with music? You ready for this? All right. I'm going to give you a harder one. Okay. Here's a little song I wrote. You may want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Wait for it. You gotta wait for it. Be happy. There it is. All right. Go ahead and grab some candy. All right. Are you ready now? Now I'm gonna be honest. I had to go to something called the YouTube to figure this one out because I I'm getting older. And so I had to figure this one out. It took me a little, a little bit of a while. And it goes something like this. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. There it is, folks. Grab your, grab your candy. Appreciate you and for playing along. And thank you for taking that candy out of my household. I really did not want to bring it home today. They did a great job, didn't they? We live in a culture that encourages us to seek happiness in everything we do. It's in our, it's in our songs. It's in our media. It's in our, on our Facebook pages. It's everywhere. Be happy. Don't worry. Hmm. I'm be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Do, 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 do. I can listen to it all day long. I love it. I love that song. If it doesn't make us happy, why even do it? It's what, our, it's what we do, right? That's, that's our life these days. And for many, happiness is, is the ultimate goal in life. You know, I'll be honest, I, I am uh, often asked for advice and, and on spiritual insight on situations in, in people's lives. And, and what I, I often do when that happens is I invite people out to coffee. I, I like to go have coffee with folks. And as we sit down to talk, personal experience has taught me this. Not that I'm a, a counselor, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist. Um, that's, life has taught me that the problem that people tell me they're having is not usually the real problem. I don't know if that's something you've discovered in life as well. There's usually something underneath that's really the problem. That's just something I've learned about people. And, and so there's usually something underlying that, that's the real issue. And, and so I like to ask probing questions. And, and one of the questions, it comes out in a couple of different ways. If you've ever had coffee with me, you would know this. But it, it comes out something like this. What is it that you truly want? Or maybe I say, what is, it, what is your desire in all of this? Or where do you think this is coming from? Trying to get to that underlying issue. And I bet it doesn't surprise you that often, quite often, the response, the first response I get is, I just want to be happy. Does that surprise anyone? 
I just want to be happy, Tim. It's interesting. So many of us say that we desire happiness above all else, and we, when we seek it, despite the consequences to our families and our careers and no less our spiritual maturity, in, in our pursuit of happiness, we've programmed ourselves to strive for happiness above all else. Even habitually, we, we strive for happiness above anything else. And instant gratification is, is the perfect example of this. And, and I'd like you to be honest with yourself. Just, just be honest. It is kind of an unrealistic expectation to be happy all the time. If you met someone that was truly happy all the time, would your first response be, I want to be like them, or would you say, there's something wrong with that person? (laughs) Right? Like, if someone's truly happy all the time, do you think that's what I want to be, or do you think, oh, there's not something not quite right? Nobody's happy all the time, right? Would you want to be like that, truly? But we say we do. We say we want to be happy all the time. The drive for constant happiness and and that drive for constant pleasure from where I stand and where I sit and where I live in my life and the people I talk to, from my personal perspective, to me, it it leads to this reality of a dopamine-addicted culture, to be honest. And that's completely unfounded in anything I've read. That's just me from where I stand. But here's the thing. Happiness is a feeling, folks. It's a feeling. It's, it's an emotion that's, that's driven by our biological responses. It's, for instance, I'll give you an example. A beautiful sunset. A beautiful sunset will make me happy, personally. I love a beautiful sunset. For me, it's, it's Lake Michigan, or it's, it's a wooded valley in Michigan. That, that's, that's a personal experience for me that makes me happy. But that's not everybody. Some people are like, it's a sunset. It goes down every day. Who cares? So how about this? The smell of warm chocolate chip cookies, but not any chocolate chip cookies. That person's chocolate chip cookies. For me, it's my mother's that were cooked with my grandmother's wooden spoon. I have the recipe. I can't cook them the same. They don't taste the same. There's something about them, whether it's your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your neighbor, someone's chocolate chip cookies. Here's what happens physically. You open the oven door. (sighs) Small particles from those cookies have gone into the air and they loft through the air. You inhale deeply. And they come into contact with the mucous membrane in your nose, sending a signal down your olfactory nerve into your brain. And your brain sends a signal to your mouth and your saliva glands start producing saliva. You can almost taste them already as you reach for a glass of cold milk. There are no cookies. (laughs) But if you had one, would you be happy? Yeah. Did you smile when I told you about cookies? Are you disappointed now that you know there aren't? (laughs) Thus demonstrating my point. Your happiness was completely dependent upon a stimulus. It was a biological response to an image, to a mental memory. It was chemistry in your brain. 
Happiness is an emotion that is based upon biology. Happiness is an emotion based upon biology. And happiness is not what Jesus came to offer the world. It's not the goal that God had in mind for our existence. It's not what Jesus came to bring. See, Jesus came to bring hope and new life and and all of those things. You see, happiness and that biological response, chemicals operating in our brain, releasing dopamine and pleasure, that's a part of God's creation. That was a part of us when we were born, formed in our mother's womb, right? That was a part of us when God created us. Jesus didn't come to earth to remind us of a biological response that God created in us. He came for something else. Biology was not the point. There's something else to it. Happiness was not the end game. Biblical joy, though, and having a joyful heart, that's something else entirely than being happy. Because happiness is just an emotion. It's a a biological response to stimuli. It's smelling cookies. It's seeing a sunset. But joy, biblical joy and having a joyful heart, now that, that, my friends, is something worth living for. But it's hard to distinguish between the two, because between joy and happiness, because our world confuses joy. And it's, it's very confusing today because our language is so... English, our English language, it puts us, puts us at such a disadvantage in comparison to some of the languages of antiquity. You see, when we read our English translations of the Bible and we get to the word joy and we move on, the, Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, cookies. Let's go. Um, or, you know, we get to another verse and, you know, and there's joy and we keep going and we, we, just, we just think about joy and, and we move on. Rejoice. Okay. Yay. And we go on. And we don't realize that in the New Testament, at least, there's three Greek words, root words, that translate into joy in English. And from those root words, there's a plethora of more words that then translate into English. It's kind of like love. Love has many facets in reality, but we only have one word in English for it. Joy is very similar in Greek. And so I want to focus on one kind of, one, one term in Greek, and when you translate it into, into English, it's really amazing. And in English, it translates as joy. See the problem? So let me, let me, uh, let me go a little bit farther. It's chara. Chara joy. Chara. And we're going to look in John 15, and, and this chara joy, as it's described in, in John 15, is more like better translated, not just as joy, but it's, it's the fullness of joy, perfect joy. It's the joy that Christ had, the joy that filled Christ, that he offers to his disciples and offers to the world. And so we're going to jump into John 15, and we're going to start a little bit earlier than the joy part because we read this part of the scripture and we don't get all the way to the end. And without this first part, you can't get to the joy. So we're going to start at verse 5, which says, Yes, I am the vine, 
and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, chara joy, fullness of joy, complete joy, perfect joy. Yes, your joy, the fullness of joy, perfect joy will overflow. There's an old song that I uh, used to sing in Sunday school. So round two of Don't Forget the Lyrics. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I told you three times where it was. Why don't you keep asking? From a biblical standpoint, Jesus says that he has given us this analogy of the vine and the branches so that we would be filled with his joy, perfect joy, the fullness of joy, that is God's joy. And then he goes on to say, yes, your joy, the perfect joy, this fullness of joy will overflow. So here's your Bible reading 101 lesson of the day. Whenever you see the words, so that, in your Bible, it indicates a causal relationship is happening, meaning you need to see what's going before it to understand that something is coming after it. So when Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, yes, your joy will overflow, we need to take a step back to make sure we fully understand the expectation to get to the other side of the so that statement. Because joy and having a joyful heart is our goal today. Because that Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it directs the course of your life, that what we fill our hearts matters. What we fill our hearts with matters is what we're about today. And if we want to have joyful hearts, we need to know how to get there. And so Jesus' analogy of this, this vine and branches points us to a simple progression. And I'm a logical thinker, and, and I like simple. And, and this, to me, breaks down very simply. Connection plus obedience leads to joy. So before we can discover this perfect joy, this chara joy, this fullness of joy, there appears to be some prerequisites. There are some things that we have to do, some criteria that have to be met so that we can be filled with Christ's joy. So let's talk for a moment about connection and obedience, that word that we love to talk about, right? Everyone loves to talk about obedience these days. Jesus... I believe, truly believe, was a master communicator. He taught the religious elite, those who were highly schooled and educated, 
alongside those who, those who were social outcasts and condemned by the religious community at the same time. That takes master communication skills. He didn't say, do this in a legalistic model like the current Jewish teachers did because he knew that people could interpret and gain better understanding from the analogy. The analogy would work better than a lecture. And I think it's true today, too. It's a simple strategy. Worked for him. I think it works for us, too. So I'm going to give it a shot. Here we go. Jesus is the trunk of an apple tree. All of you and me, all of us here today, we are branches growing out of that apple tree. Sometimes the gardener comes along and has to prune back some of the branches. And while it hurts the whole tree in the moment, it needs to happen because it helps the tree produce more fruit in the future. Because if, it, if, the, if our tree was left to its own devices, it would just grow out of control and eventually wouldn't produce hardly any fruit at all. Then when the gardener comes back, the branches that have no fruit on them, no apples left, he's, he's going to cut them off because the purpose of an apple tree is to have apples. He strips the, leave offs, the leaves off and, and preps them for the barbecue because why not have a fire and have some applewood smoked brisket? And if, we get, if you get cut off from the tree, you'll never produce apples again. The closer you say to the source, the stronger you are. The bigger your branch will be, and the better off you are. Notice the important connection and the analogy that Jesus gives. It's not the connection to the gardener, which represents God, it's the connection to Jesus. Jesus goes on to talk about remaining in his love and obeying commandments, which, which are actually not Jesus' commandments, they're actually God's commandments. And we don't often like talking about obedience because obedience means that we have to submit to another person's will and it means that we have to sacrifice of ourselves. But as we will soon see, sacrifice is the key to unlocking perfect joy. Because in the very next verse, Jesus says this, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And it is here that we begin to see the bigger picture of this perfect joy, of the fullness of joy, of God's joy. You see, where happiness is just an emotion driven by our biological responses to stimuli, joy comes from a different place. Jesus says that when we remain connected to him and obedient, connected and obedient to his teachings, we're filled with joy. And the perfect joy that is experienced in our lives come from God. So it's not our joy, it's God's joy. And it's not an emotion nor a feeling that's driven by stimuli or driven by our biology. 
Instead, it's centralized in this intangible center of our hearts or in the, that place where the Holy Spirit resides or, or in, in your soul or, or whatever word you use. See, I don't care what word you choose to use. Our ling- English language is limited. A skeptic will say you're making up a, hype, a fake place. But that place where the Holy Spirit resides within you is the place where that joy will dwell. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. When we remain connected through Christ and are obedient to him, Jesus communicates it clearly if we would stop and listen to his words. Jesus said, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, Jesus went to the cross for those he loved, for you, for me, and for all of us. Now, I'm not asking any of you to do that. There are no crosses out in the lobby for you to pick up on the way out the door. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I am asking you is for you to ask yourself, Are you remaining connected? Are you close to the trunk of the apple tree? Are you obedient? Are you loving others? And are you serving others? Not because you want to help someone less fortunate because it makes you feel good about yourself, because that is a feeling and a biological response and does not lead to joy. You see, sacrifice and selfless living. Sacrifice and selfless living, these are, the, these are the keys. These are the keys to a joyful heart. The doorway, the keys that unlock the doorway to a joyful heart. Now, I'm not talking about being happy because you helped someone who was less fortunate. That's not what I'm talking about at all. If you want to be happy, go get some cookies. Grab a Mountain Dew. Play some video games. Get a dopamine rush. We all know people that that's what they want. And when that doesn't work anymore, have a cheesecake and a Red Bull. And when that doesn't work anymore, I hear Monster's pretty good. And when that doesn't work anymore, you're going to have to find something else. And I would venture to bet that everyone in this room has a family member or a friend who's gone down that path and has continued to seek out something until they've gotten hooked on something else. And they've spent years of their life trying to figure out why they can't find happiness in their life anymore. And they're dependent on some other substance to fill their life with some other false sense of happiness. Because happiness is an emotion. I'm talking about finding joy, pure joy, true joy, real joy, perfect joy in your heart that goes beyond emotion, beyond a response to to warm cookies. I'm talking about a fullness of joy that lasts longer than a dopamine rush that you get when you come back from a service project and one week later can't understand why you don't have it anymore. Well, you don't have it anymore because when you went on that service project, you came back and you were happy 
but you didn't have joy. Because when you came back, you disconnected, and you weren't obedient, and you stopped serving, and you stopped loving, and the joy began to fade. You have to remain connected, and you have to remain obedient. More importantly, you have to have a sacrificial life. Jesus said there's no greater love than to lay down your life for one's friend. But I guess it all depends on what you really want in life. You know, if you're one of the people that wants to um, sit down and have coffee with me and ask me my opinion about where you want to go and what's going on, and I ask you that question, what is it that you truly want? What's the deeper issue? And when, when we have that conversation, if you truly say, "All I, I just want to be happy, if that is you and that is truly you and that is all that you really want in life, then this message isn't for you. And it's best if you just forget everything I just said because this is way too hard for you and you're not going to want it. But if you really want something more, something deeper, something more meaningful, something that has substance, if you're searching for more, if you desire to live with a joyful heart, Jesus taught us how to do that over 2,000 years ago. This is not new. It's simple, and yet it's very hard to live out because it takes a choice, a hard choice, to move down a path of spiritual maturity. It means connecting with Jesus, which is hard to do in our culture because our culture tells us to not worry, just be happy. It means obeying his commandments to love. When our culture tells us, just worry about yourself, man. Make choices that are going to build your portfolio. Don't worry about the people you see outside. Take care of yourself first. That's what it says. When Jesus says, the greatest love you can show someone is to care for someone else. That's the kind of steps it takes. But here's the thing. It leads to a joy that is beyond compare. And I guarantee you very little in life, but I guarantee you that if you remain connected and you remain obedient and you begin to love people and to serve, you will find your heart fired, a spark lit with a joy beyond compare. And so if that is what you desire, if that is what you want, is that, and that is where you feel led to go, I encourage you, I plead with you and beg you to take the next steps this week seriously. Reread this passage. Go online and take a spiritual gifts inventory. Use the one that's online, but if you do, be ready to unsubscribe immediately as they start sending you all of those emails, which I didn't realize until this week when they sent me 20 emails. Go online and Google search free spiritual growth inventory. Take a spiritual gift inventory and find out how God has gifted you. And then find a place to serve. Ask for help with the church and we can help connect you if you need to. But serve not because it makes you happy, but because Christ has called us to love other people out of obedience and out of connection with Christ. And you'll find that this joy goes so much deeper than just emotion. And a joyful heart comes from a selfless life. Let's pray together. 
Gracious God, we come before you in awe of your glory. We, we ask that your joy would invade our hearts and that it would become our, our joy. Let our lives be filled with more than, than just emotion, but with the fullness of joy that you intend for us in this life. Fill our hearts, Lord, as we remain in your Son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, Lord. Amen.